We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle 45 with Mike St. Pierre. Welcome to Transformative Principle where we interview real principals who are doing amazing things to help our students every single day. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter, at Jethro Jones. What I'd like to ask you to do is to take a survey. Tell me understand how I can provide a better podcast for you, those who are listening to it. Just go to transformativeprincipal.com. Take a couple of minutes, take the survey that's right there on that landing page, and give me some feedback about how I can make this show better for you. So let's change um, topic here a little bit and talk about um, some of the neat uh, technology things that you're doing. So people can go to your website at mikesaintpierre.com and right. you've got a lot of a lot of stuff on there. You've got interviews and and a podcast called Techspiration. Talk about what is um, what you're most excited about right now in the technology space. Mm, good question. Well, what I'm not excited about, <laughs> I guess there is great is, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not excited about gadgets that schools are burdened with that don't change teaching and learning. Like that always concerns me when I hear of a school that, you know, they want to try something out and do some kind of like little experiment on kids with some expensive laptop or something like that. So I don't like that too much. But what I do get really jazzed up with is um, when you find a school that wants to change how kids learn and how teachers teach. So, you know, one example is I visited a school with some colleagues um, called Science Leadership Academy, which is in Philadelphia, maybe about an hour and 45 minutes from here. And I was really moved by the way they're doing school. Now, they have certain inherent advantages because they're a charter school, so they can accept kids and with and reject kids. So I know that not everybody has that. But 
they've built a whole school around two things, project-based learning and technology. And it's amazing. You know, it really is uh, pretty exciting. They don't uh, make a big deal that, yes, their kids have, have laptops. Um, that's just part of what they do. But they really do school differently. So I really like that a lot. Um, I think, you know, my doctoral research is on iPads and whether or not they help kids collaborate more effectively or whether they isolate kids from one another. Fascinating. So yeah, it, it really is. And I, I'm, I am really intrigued by schools that are using one-to-one -one, uh, programs thoughtfully and well. And um, a few are. Uh, you know, unfortunately, most aren't because it's just it's hard to do. So most don't do it well. Um, but I think in our school, I love seeing teachers trying new things specifically related to technology and whether they quote unquote work or not. I almost don't think is the point. I think it's more that if we want kids to try new things and take risks, we have to try new things and take risks. And sometimes they'll work and sometimes they won't. But the most important thing is the posture of trying. And um, so, I mean, I tell our teachers, look, nobody expects you to be perfect. I want you to fail forward. Um, and I hope that, you know, they will compassionately apply that to me too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think in our school, what's worked really well is when you give kids technology and the freedom to try things in technology and then you just get out of the way. Uh, we've done something really, really fun and I think very constructivist this year where um, we were always renovating spaces in our building, but this past year we said, well, let's have students compete and be able to redesign a space the way they think it should be. So we had this kind of outdated classroom and we let kids form teams and then they had to, we gave them some guidelines, but they had to work with a coach, a faculty member and come up with a design and proposal for what to do with this space. And Jethro, you, you would have been just blown away by what they came up with. It was just unbelievable. And, you know, they consulted with architects. They uh, talked to other kids. They had storyboards. They had fabric samples. I mean, these are kids. And, and then they had to present to this panel of a designer, a construction engineer, the student council president, myself. And it was kind of like Shark Tank meets HGTV Dream Home. And uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was, it was unbelievable. And then, you know, we coached them again. And then we announced the winner. And then we let the kids demo the room uh, with supervision, of course. And, uh, and now we're waiting to do the install of all the different pieces. So it was this, you know, outdated, ugly classroom, and it's going to become um, a YouTube uh, studio, an interview studio, and a writing lab. And um, that's from kids. I never would have wow. thought of those things. Um, but you just you give them the green light, get out of the way, give them some coaching. Um, it was it was really unbelievable. So we've been invited to speak in a couple of weeks at a conference here on the East Coast, and we're bringing those kids. Uh, they're going to tell their story, uh, and I think if you ask them, you know, give me the top two or three learning experiences in your four years of high school, I know this would be in the top two or three. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so isn't that cool? That is way cool. So yeah. uh, did one presentation win or were parts of each one taken how did how did that look yeah good question one one group one and um so what we did was we 
we kind of just like on TV, you know, we said, okay, group one, here's what we really liked about yours. Here's where, you know, we thought you need to be better group two, et cetera, group three. And then, you know, we had that dramatic pause where we said, and the winner is, <laughs> so, um, then we met with them a few times again. The, one of the keys was we have a, a person on our staff and his title is chief strategy officer. And um, he's a very cool person, very smart, very creative, and kids really respect him. And so we asked him to be in the role of coach and mentor. Uh, and so the kids really responded well to him. And all along, he's met with them. And, um, and of course, they love it because they were in the paper. And now they get to speak at this conference. And, you know, they're a big deal. And, yeah. um, and, and why not? I mean, it's, it's really great learning and it's not traditional. It's not something taking place in a classroom, but these kids are just unbelievable. And, you know, you tell, like right now we're doing a, uh, a capital campaign and we have a student on our marketing committee uh, who eventually did the 3D renderings for our website of what our campus is going to look like over the next 10 years. And, you know, I think if you were to tell 10 people off the street, did you know that a 17-year-old did this? I don't think they would believe it because it's just that good. Wow. And um, again, that's just giving a, a student a chance to be part of what the school is doing. And um, so, yeah, I could talk all day, but I think I think just students are way more talented than we give them credit for, but we just need the right kinds of learning opportunities that they can get really fired up about. And I don't know. I guess our job is just keep finding those projects that that light them up and just get out of their way and let them let them go to town. Yeah. So one of the things that that we struggle with in in education is that we have to tie activities to coursework and standards and grades and all that kind of stuff. Um, so describe how this tied into that, or if it didn't, that it, this was just all extracurricular. What what did that look like for you guys? Yeah, it was all extracurricular. Um, so our diocese is doing a really good job. We have a cluster of 37 schools, and they're doing a really good job of uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. So it's really hot out here on the East Coast. Um, and so we're doing some pieces there curricularly and with our science teachers and math teachers. Um, we felt that this was just as valuable, even though it would take place outside of the classroom. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't part of a, a chem class or a physics lab. It was just students wanting to make a difference in the school and, um, boy, were we impressed. Yeah. And what's so fascinating is that they had to have those skills that they learned in those classes to be right. successful in this project. And, uh, my fear is that a lot of times we go, we work so hard to tie things into a curriculum or a standard or whatever that we miss the bigger picture of kids actually creating and doing something that they wouldn't have been able to do without that curricular piece anyway. Right. So we try to tie it back to the classroom when really we need to tie it to something real and authentic. And every one of those kids that was involved in this learned something from it and used information that they had learned in their classes and probably did a lot more research and work outside of their classes that they wouldn't have done if it was part of an assignment. Yeah, you know, there's this sort of inherent, like, obstacle that I think educators, we need to get over uh, with students. And that's, you know, students feel like, or at least some, 
uh, feel like if something's taking place in class, it's kind of lame, mm-hmm. you know, where the school just like has to do it. So let's make the best of it. And it's mm-hmm. not going to be that great. And, you know, you and I know that great teachers, they just, you know, kind of laugh at that because a great teacher can get through to any student. Um, but you're right. Everything does not have to be tied into a classroom setting. And, um, um, there is sort of this dance, I think, that schools are, are dealing with because there is so much emphasis on standards, which is not a bad thing. Um, but, you know, it, it can it's like being on a diet. I mean, if, if you're like obsessed with your calorie count, it can take the joy out of eating and food and being with friends. Likewise, I think if everything is just this obsession with standards, you know, some of that spontaneity and artistry and, um, you know, just like the fun people that teachers were when they first started teaching can kind of get, you know, beaten out of them through this obsession with standards. Right. Yeah. So were there any students, um, in this competition that were, um, kind of had the cards stacked against them? Maybe they didn't do great in their classes or they weren't too motivated. And this brought out something that they didn't, you hadn't seen them devote to their academic studies before. Well, I think most of them were really were pretty pretty good students to start mm-hmm. with. You know, I think these were pretty pretty high achieving uh, students. What was really interesting was one of the teams that did enter and had a really good proposal that didn't win, but was a group of seniors. Uh, so they they knew that they would not see the fruit of their work, so to speak, but they still did a tremendous job. So that was a nice little surprise for us. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, still trying to be dedicated even after even when they know that it's not gonna right pay them any dividends that's cool. that's right yeah um so let's go back to something that you said a little bit ago you were talking about um schools trying something new um with a expensive piece of equipment and doing some experimentation that was not you didn't you said you didn't like that right yeah and then uh, shortly after that you said that it's important for teachers to try new things with their students and um and go out and and fail forward right. um was what you said what uh how do you reconcile those two things and <laughs> and where is it okay to experiment and where do you draw the line with okay, now you're just being ridiculous and wasting time and money. <laughs> Help me understand that because I, yeah, think, they, I yeah. think there's something important there that we, we're creating a false dichotomy and there's a, there's a fine line that we need to, to watch. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, that's, that's, really, uh, that's really insightful that, that you picked that up. I, I guess <laughs> let, let me give an example of like what I mean. So right. this, this challenge that we gave to students to redesign a classroom, one, it was voluntary Two, the school was prepared to cover the expense of it. Three, there was very little risk that would come out of it. And, um, and four, it was fun, mm-hmm. right? So it was like we kind of looked at it and said, okay, this is probably going to go well. Um, let's pitch it out there and see what happens, right? Now, that's easy to do, whereas if you're introducing a new math curriculum or a new way of doing um, essay rubrics, there's actually a lot more at stake there, right? Sure. So um, I think schools could jump into a design competition pretty easily, and I, I think any school could kind of copy what we did, whereas I think that had we introduced a new math curriculum, 
we would have been really taken a lot more time to think it through, consult with the experts, make sure our, our math teachers were well prepared, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So uh, let me give you an example when it comes to technology of when I say I, I don't get excited about schools that um, want to tinker and use students as their like lab rats. So like I see a lot of elementary schools, at least here in eastern United States, and they say, well, we're going to introduce this um, tablet program um, to just our seventh graders, and they can't take them home. Mm -hmm. And then you say, well, why did you choose that particular tablet? Well, it's a good price. Okay. And what are they going to be doing with it? Well, we're not sure, but we're going to figure that out as we go. Okay. And um, have you done the research on this? You know, is, do you think there's a real value? Well, everybody likes tablets and kids love technology. <laughs> okay. Um, and how are we going to sustain this, you know, three, four years down the road? Well, we're confident that, you know, we're going to be creative and have an additional fundraiser. Like, to me, that has, like, trouble written all over it, you know? Right. And I, I really like seeing other schools um, test these things first. And if it works in, in another district, especially a high-achieving district – then I think that there's some reason to look at it. But I, here's a great example. Um, Los Angeles Unified School District, right? Oh, they, yeah. they had this, this deal where they were going to spend over a billion dollars on iPads. Yeah. And I think we're like nine months later and they've stopped the whole thing. I mean, that's embarrassing. Yeah. You know, that's embarrassing. And it's not that there's a problem with the kids and it's not that there's a problem with iPads, but that clearly wasn't, well thought out and eventually the whole thing unraveled and you know my fear is that people are going to think well iPads are bad and technology is a waste of time no not at all but if you're going to go into something like a one-to-one -one rollout in a school setting you really got to think this through and this is a multi-year commitment and once you dip your foot in the pool you know I, I don't want to say there's no going back as there is but you better just know that there's a lot that goes with that. Um, so I think I, I really like experimentation and risk-taking on the local level, meaning like in a classroom or on a particular assignment, you know, something like that. I think that there's almost all wins there and very few chance of loss because teachers have to – teach their kids and give their kids the green light to experiment with new new ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. But I think when we're talking about like at the district level or you know whole school-wide initiatives, administrators really need to do their homework and say, you know, well, who else has done this? Uh, and what were the pitfalls? And are we really going to take our time to go slow at first so that we can go fast later? Like when we did our one-to-one -one program here, we went really slow. We actually first started with a group of eighth graders and we just, you know, wanted to see how it worked for one year. And then the year after that, we expanded it a little bit more. And then it was only in the third year that we rolled it out to the whole school because mm -hmm. then we were able to say to our families, here's what we, what we learned from two years. And, and here's what we definitely think is needed for this to be a success moving forward. Um, so, I don't know if that helps at all, but I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I guess I'm probably saying, you know, on one hand, be careful with the risks you take as a school. Um, but on the other hand, I do want a lot of risk taking to be encouraged at the local level, meaning in a particular classroom or in a department, 
because I don't think that there's, you know, that much damage that could take place there. Yeah. And that, uh, that to me does help us understand the line that we, that we cross and the line that we have to toe to make sure that, you know, for, for me, when I was a teacher to say, I'm going to start using iPod touches in my classroom when they first came out, that was a, an easy thing for me to do. It was a couple hundred bucks investment. It wasn't um, a ton of money and I was able to experiment and play and try new things. But for me to, you know, when I became a principal to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to experiment with this. That's a lot scarier and a lot more, a lot more is at stake. And you can't just jump in. You, like you said, you've got to take your time and really think about it, research it and find what other schools and districts have done and then take their strengths and try to avoid their pitfalls. And that's, that's an important thing to do. And, and the stakes are higher when you move to a school-wide or district-wide plan. Right. Yeah. So um, you uh, talk to us a little bit about your podcast that you do, Texpiration. Well, uh, I do a podcast every so often with uh, another educational uh, person here out on the East Coast called Nancy Caramonico. And uh, she's, she's a lot of fun to work with. Um, and we interview folks who are in education, and then we interview folks who are outside of education. We get to interview people all over the world who have something to say about schools. And uh, it's been really fun because initially we started with schoolie people, you know, people like you and me who mm -hmm. speak schoolies, right? Right. And now we've been branching out to people who have no connection formally to schools, but yet have a lot to say to schools. So we're talking now to business leaders and um, comedians and consultants and um, productivity experts. And we, we really love finding out what's your advice for principals and school leaders for helping kids to be not only great English speakers and uh, great writers and authors and mathematicians, but what's going to get them ready for the workforce and careers that might not even exist. And their answers are really, really interesting. So uh, yeah, it's called Texpiration and um, it's a nice little hobby side project for us. And uh, we weren't really sure where it was going to go, but I think we've both been like kind of delighted with the wisdom that our guests have brought. And, you know, like you, I mean, we kind of do it for ourselves, but we, we found that a lot of our audience really likes it at the same time. Yeah, that's good. I've, I've listened to your uh, interview with Eric Fisher, your most recent podcast, yep. and I've, I've subscribed to it now, I think cool. in my podcatcher. So I should be able to hear it. Um, going <laughs> cool. forward. So, um, I love learning new things and it's obvious that you do. How do you, keep track of everything that you're learning and stay on top of things? Well, probably through my blog. So uh, MikeStamper.com is where kind of my mind is on display. And um, that's either really exciting or really scary depending <laughs> on the <Yeah>. reader. <laughs> but I just find it's a great place to, to work things out in my head. And um, if some of it's helpful to people, that's, that's even better. 
um, it's, it's like my home base, you know, Michael Hyatt says you have embassies and you have home bases and yeah. it's where things kind of come together for me. And, um, uh, I just recently did a, a reader survey in September and that was just really interesting. It was, you know, good affirmation of the things that I'm writing about and whether or not people like them and what they'd like to see more of. So, uh, yeah, I guess the blog is kind of part of who I am and how I lead. I do write a blog for my school as well, but that's that's more like chewing gum. You know, that's more of like little little thoughts here and there. Um, whereas MikeStPierre.com is where I you know write more extensively, and I have a a newsletter group that I, I write to every week, and um, you know I take that really seriously. It's it's a community of folks who believe in me, and I want to make sure I deliver something of value to them about three times a week. Yeah, that's great. Um, I uh, one of the things that I've um, really liked learning about you is that you seem very um, reflective about your yourself and what you're doing. Um, do you have a process that you follow for helping yourself be reflective and, and thinking about things that, that challenges yourself? Yeah, I've got a great process it's called marriage. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, my wife uh, lets me know when I'm off track. <laughs> uh, no, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, um, like you, I mean, I have a lot on my plate, so the mornings are really important for me. You know, I, I try to get up at the same time every day. I'm imperfect with that, but I find that that's really helpful. And I do have a morning routine that that I I really work hard to stick with during the week, and um, you know that involves reading the news and and making sure I'm up to date on educational things and things here in Jersey and and in my town. Um, but also, you know, I probably have 10 different blogs and websites that I read every day. And, um, these are authors that really speak to me and, and motivate me and inspire me. And, uh, I'm a big journaler. So, uh, I use day one on, on the iPad and on, on my, uh, MacBook. So I, you know, you have to be the judge if they're working or not, but they, they're helpful to me at least and that they keep me grounded. Yeah, that's great. Who are some of the the people that you follow that you you make sure you check in with daily and see what they have to say? Yeah, well, I will uh, open up Safari right now, and I'll just look at my tabs. Um, I start with Brad Lominick, the head of Catalyst. I always read him. I always read um, Craig Jarrow from Time Time Management Ninja dot com, uh, Michael Hyatt dot com. I'm really into this blog now called Becoming Minimalist by Joshua Becker, and uh, doesn't have a lot to do with school, but he's a very wise person, and um, I'm always trying to kind of clear out the clutter, so that's cool. Uh, there's a pastor in Kentucky named Ron, Ron Edmondson that I really like. Um, Tony Schwartz is a consultant on energy management, and I find him really interesting. He writes over at The Energy Project. Uh, Michael Slowinski, the founder of Nosby, uh, really like what he has to say. Will Richardson, uh, he's right here in Jersey. He's has some fantastic thoughts on education. Yes, he does. Uh, yeah, so I uh, those are the folks that almost every day I'm I'm looking at what they have to say. That's great. Um, I noticed that many of those are not uh, 
educators. So you're you're looking for your inspiration and wisdom from outside of education. Can you help me understand why that is? Well, part of it, I guess, is just um, being in Catholic education. Uh, I I have to write and communicate in sort of two languages, you know, the language of education and standards and academic excellence, but also the language of, of mission and, uh, and in our case, uh, a Catholic school mission. So um, I, I also, I don't want to be that boring administrator who's just kind of boring and lame and, you know, only reads education week. Like, I just don't want to be that kind of a leader. And so for me, you know, I, I I don't consider myself a very cultured person, but I love sports. I love reading the news. I love politics. Um, I like TV. You know, I like a good um, action adventure movie. You know, so um, I actually have to force myself to read the education stuff. Um, it's not really like my default uh, because I'm not really a traditional school leader per se. You know, I'm kind of like pastor meets principal somewhere in the middle of there yeah um yeah i i feel the same way myself many of the people that i read are not uh um are not educators either and i feel like i get i'm able to think outside of the educational box a little bit more when i do and there are a lot of not a lot but there are some people that i read that i disagree with vehemently yeah. Yep. Because and I read them to to help me understand the other side of the story, and right. um, you know help me be able to frame my the way that I think and the way that I believe and and how I communicate to people so that they I'm getting that other perspective and it's not just you know everybody patting each other on the back saying, yes, this is the right way to think and challenges what I believe myself. So, and by challenging it, it helps me reaffirm what I believe or change my mind, which is just as important sometimes. So I think you're right. I mean, I think too, people are looking for us to see both sides of the aisle because a lot of the things we deal with as school leaders there really are two sides to a story. I mean, let's say a student gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, there's always two different sides to that, you know, or parents are having a disagreement or something like that. So I think if we're working that muscle behind the scenes when nobody's looking, when it's like real life and we need to look at two sides of an issue, hopefully we're ready for that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I hope so too. Um, so, I've taken a lot of your time today, and I really appreciate that because I've learned so much from you. Um, I finish each interview with two questions. Uh, the first one is, what is something that someone could start doing this week to be a transformative leader like yourself? Oh, boy. Mm. You know, start your day thoughtfully. Start your day thoughtfully. Uh, that's really important. I don't, I don't think it matters the kind of school a person is leading, but start your day on your own terms. Uh, and if that means getting in early so you don't feel rushed and stressed, or if it means you know enjoying that cup of coffee with a, uh, a quiet book or some journaling before your day gets nutty, um, start your day on purpose. I think that's, that's something I would suggest. I love that. Thank you. And the last one is, what is 
something that you have in your office that reminds you of why you're doing what you do every day? <laughs> I have a ton of pictures of my kids. And, um, you know, for me, I come home and I, again, I get to do the job that I do. That's a privilege and a blessing. Um, and I, I try to think of my own kids when we're making tough decisions at work. And sometimes we'll look at each other and I'll say, well, what if this were your daughter, or your son, you know, what would you think? And how would we, how would we react? So, you know, when I get to come home to them at night, I've been thinking of them during the day because I have pictures of them and um, they just remind me that I'm a dad first and a school leader second. Yeah, that's great. So how can people get uh, get in contact with you, with you to learn more from you, Mike? Sure. Well, I'm sure they're going to listen to this podcast, so that's one way. <laughs> um, and uh, But certainly online, you go to my website, MikeStPierre.com, M-I-K-E-S-T-P-I-E-R-R-E.com, or on Twitter, at Mike K. St. Pierre. Awesome. Thank you. I'll put links to that in the show notes for the show also. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.